great Scott. Are you a sports fan who loves to have a good laugh? Oh, yeah. Then you're in the right place. I'm going to make him an offer again. Life moves pretty fast. Welcome to the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles podcast, a podcast of top culture where everyone has a story. This week, my guest is comedian, magician. You've seen him on America's Got Talent. Now he's performing in Las Vegas. Piff the Magic Dragon. Piff, welcome to the cave. Thanks for having us. Uh, what's uh, what's new with you? Uh, not much. I am in Vegas. I've got a rare week just in Vegas. We're not. We just uh, came back from Calgary in Canada, and then uh, in a couple of weeks I'm going to Chicago. So uh, I've got some nice downtime in my Vegas cave. Yeah. So obviously dragons love caves. You know, we're big, big cave fans, which is one of the agree- reasons I agreed to do your podcast. <laughs> there you go. What? Um, so you've been in Vegas for almost a year now. No, two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half years with my own show. Okay. And four years total, because before I was doing my own show, I was doing a little part in another in in two other in two or three other shows actually. Yeah. How many uh How many nights a week do you perform? Uh, seven. Wow. Either. Um, we try and do about four or five nights in Vegas a week, and then we tour the other two or three nights. Yeah. Um, so tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you from originally? I grew up in London, England, sunny London, England. And, uh, and I was there for like 33 years, and then I just could not deal with the shitty weather anymore. <laughs> so I abandoned I abandoned it and um, moved to Vegas to be in the be in the sun. And I was I've been a magician for about 20, 20 years now full time. Yeah. What um as a kid, like what were you into? Um I was like uh you know, I guess a bit of a nerd when I was a kid. I was like into computer games, juggling and uh, one of my hobbies was doing magic. Yeah. And then when I went to I went to university to get a, a degree in IT, and while I was there, I um, started doing a lot of magic shows to pay my bills. And so when I um, when I left university, I thought, well, let's just carry on doing the magic. Yeah. How did you like? So how did you get into magic? Did you uh, like? Do you, do you have like some favorite magicians you looked up to, and like how did you learn the craft of magic? There was a show called uh, Stuff the White Rabbit, which had like a lot of sleight of hand magicians. Because I, I, I don't really like much, much of the. You know, I always think it's something like ninety six percent of magic I don't like. You know, all the sort of dancing girls and the big boxes and all the running around pointing at stuff. You know, I'm not really not not a big fan of that. So, um, I I began seeing these you know guys on this TV show, and they would be doing. Uh, you know, card tricks, they had a lot of comedy in with their acts. Um, you know, it was as funny as it was like, you know, uh, card tricks or magic. And I thought, oh, that, that's why I quite, I, I, I like doing that. And I, so I started learning card tricks and, and it sort of went from there. Yeah. Uh, so tell the listeners, like, um, how did you come up with the act in the, that you performed? Pips the Magic Dragon? Yeah. Well, what, what happened was I was, so I, I, I was doing magic full time and, and magic's like a catering industry. You know, it's like a service industry. You, you know, you book a wedding, you book a, you book the champagne, you book the canapes and you book the magician. 
So I was definitely, I just didn't fit into that world. You know, I was, I, I, I was just too grumpy for my own good. I would get fired everywhere. People would be like, what is your problem? You're like the ear of magic. Um, so it became, became an issue. You know, I didn't really have much work. And then one day I went to a costume party and um, I didn't have a costume to wear. So I said to my sister, do you have anything I can wear to this party? She said, yeah, I got a dragon outfit under my bed. And uh, I didn't ask any more questions. Neither should you. It's my sister. So I go to this uh, party in a dragon outfit, and nobody else is in costume. It's literally just me. Wow. And um, so I was looking appropriately grumpy for once, you know, drinking red wine in the corner. And my friend said, you should do this in your act. You could be Puff the Magic Dragon. I said, wait, I could be Piff the Magic Dragon. You might have heard of my older brother, Steve. So I did it. (laughs) And uh, as soon as I did it, I was like, this is the future because it just made every, it made my general personality socially acceptable. Yeah. How, how did you um, how did you um, get a, like Mr. Piffles involved in that? Um, well, I went to Edinburgh after about a year and a half. I did the first Edinburgh, did my first Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And you have to do an hour long show for that. And I've been doing like, you know, 20 minutes and 30 minutes before that. So when I did my first hour-long show, I just thought, mm, you know what, this act sort of needs, uh, uh, you know, it'd be great to have another another hook in it. And the girl who was running the venue in Edinburgh, she had a chihuahua. And um, I, my publicist at the time said, hey, you should, we should put that dog in the show tonight. So we did it, and it worked so great. The next day, we went out and bought Mr. Pistols. How um how long did it take you to train Mr. Piffles with your act? Well, he doesn't really do anything because I yeah. thought it would be a lot funnier yeah. just to have a dog that did nothing. So you just, um, and then you, pretend, you know, pretend he's doing these magic tricks because because yeah. a lot of magic, you know, you're pretending that um, you know, you're pretending that something is is happening, and and you're either assigning that to, you know, your supernatural gifts or maybe like. Uh, you know, whatever it is. And I thought, well, why not assign those powers to a dog? Yeah. Um, did a, How did you, like, decide you wanted to combine comedy and magic together? And, like, how did it, did it come naturally to you? Yeah, that was just a natural thing. Of, um, you know, I, I just couldn't help myself but, um, you know, make, make, make funny remarks to people or, uh, uh, you know, sort of, like, roast people when I was doing magic. And um, in the end, you know, I was sort of doing that at these at these corporate dinners or these uh, weddings, and people were getting upset by it. So I thought, oh well, if I'm not going to stop doing this, then I should really take this into you know the appropriate environment, which was comedy clubs or or cabaret cabaret shows. Yeah. Did you have like a favorite uh, comedian that you looked up to and magician? Oh yeah, tons. I mean, I love Penn and Teller, and one of the great things about being in Vegas has been. Uh, you know, being um, able to become friends with those guys, and they've been a huge, you know, huge help to me. Penn, Penn um, just shot. Uh, he was the guest guest star at the end of our uh, sitcom that we, uh, not sitcom special, uh, that we just shot in Las Vegas. Um, so, you know, seeing those guys and growing up with those guys, they're, I mean, they're sort of, um, you know, two of the greatest magicians to ever ever live, really. Yeah. Uh, and then comedians, you know, I love people like Seinfeld, uh, you know, Louis C.K., Chris Rock, um, Bill Hicks growing up, 
Dimitri Martin, Steve Martin, um, you know, Stephen Wright. I really loved, uh, you know, I was very much into the comedy scene and there were, you know, a ton of people in the UK that I could name as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of have very, 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 you know, wide taste in comedy. Um, and if I just love, you know, I just love laughing and I love being able to make people laugh. Yeah. And all those communities you just mentioned, you know, they all have like a, a distinct, uh, the way they, they present their jokes, you know, they can, they'll, they'll say a joke and they'll look, they'll look at you seriously in the face. And I've noticed like, that's how part of your act is too, you know, like the way you joke around with people. Yeah. I sort of like that. Um, you know, I always like that sort of sarcasm and deadpan, uh, vibe. Um, you know, it definitely suits what I, what I do a lot. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, like I said, a lot of it is just kind of like, um, it's born out of stage time. It's not that it comes naturally, which is, it's just born out of being on stage a lot. And, um, you know, often it really is just my natural reaction to whatever, uh, uh, ridiculous situation I've got myself into now. Yeah. So what, like, so how did you decide one day you were just gonna, you know what, I'm done living in England. I'm just going to get up. I'm just going to go to the U S like, did you just go right to your parents and said, you know what, I'm out of here. I'm going there. Yeah, right. No, no, I was, um, I, so I did a show called Penn and Teller Fool Us in the UK and that became, it got, it's sort of like that, that clip went viral. So I was starting to travel all over the place. I was, um, all over the UK touring and I was going to Australia uh, quite often. And out of the blue, somebody wrote to me and they said, Hey, we want to, we want to get you to, we want to, we want to book you for this Vegas show we're doing. And I, you know, of course, I was like, "This is ridiculous. It will never happen." Um, but you know, I took, I met the guy when he was in Australia, and he saw the show, and he said, "You know, we we want to make this happen. We want to get you to be a part of this show, big, this big show we're doing." So, um, you know, my agent at the time, she met with them in in New York, and she said, oh, "I think they're serious about this," and um, I thought. You know, we did a deal where I was supposed to do my solo show as well as the, you know, be a part of this show. So I signed a tenure contract. I um, moved to America because I had a feeling that America would, um, you know, embrace the act because it's because it is, um, you know, it's magic, which is much more popular in America than it is in the UK. Uh, you know, there's that sort of deadpan English sensibility to it which again is, is ironically much more popular in the u.s yeah. um so i i thought well you know let's give it a go see what happens maybe it'll be a disaster but you know well it's worth the risk um i came over and um you know it was like a three-month rehearsal process for the show and everyone in the show nobody got it you know nobody in the rehearsal process really understood my act or what i was about and um, they were all kind of like, going, well, this isn't going to be funny. And then when the show opened, it was like one of the two things that were successful in this show. It was sort of the rest of the show kind of bombed. It, like, was that my act and the tap dancers were the um, one of the much more successful things in the show. And um, so, so Vegas, which is a very small community, suddenly. Um, you know, they really, they sort of took the whole act to heart and the, and the local press loved it. The, um, you know, I was getting like Shania Twain coming to the show and, um, you know, inviting me down to her show and all, all, all these like crazy things 
uh, were going on. And, um, and, and that show was burning through cash. It was like burning, I don't know, $60,000 a night or something crazy. Wow. Um, so I could see the writing was on the wall from the beginning of that show. I was like, this is not yeah. So um, I, I got a green card. You know, I applied for a green card and um, I, got, I got a green card. And then about a week after I got the green card, my, this show closed, the show closed in Vegas. And um, so I was, so then I was just stuck in, in America and I was like, oh, well, what should I do now? And I thought, well, I love it out here. I love being in Vegas. I love the weather in Vegas. I love the city. Um, you know, I love being in America generally. I thought, well, let's try and let's try and stay here. So I um, pitched my solo show around to a bunch of casinos. Almost got it. Uh, got the show up in uh, a couple of places. One, you know, just after the guy was like, okay, look, we're going to do this. The hotel got bought, and um, you know, the guy, the president who greenlit my show, lost his job. And then the next time the hotel got blown up, uh, you know, just <laughs> around the time they were going to do the show. So it was like, oh, it was a bit like, um, you know, one step forward, two step back. Yeah. And, and eventually I was like, well, I think I'm going to go on America's Got Talent and see what happens because there wasn't really any other uh, alternative at the time. You know, there's no Tonight Show anymore. It's like, you know, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, maybe like a million or two million people watch it. Um, that's probably like high. Uh, yeah. And even when they watch it, it doesn't really make much of an impact. It used to be like, you know, Lance Burton, who's um, one of the old Las Vegas headlining magicians. He went on Johnny Carson and that was his career. That yeah. was his career made, you know, and that, and that was really the big thing. And, and um, that doesn't exist anymore. So the, the equivalent of that now is America's Got Talent, which is a super strange fit for my act because my act is a sort of comedy club act. Um, but it was also available and they were great to work with. So I went on that, um, went on that show and, uh, you know, they sort of film a couple of rounds before the public even, even see anything. And that's one of the dogs going crazy. That's okay. Um, Hey, Hey, Piffles, bad Piffles. Um, so they, they, they um, you know, they filmed these two rounds and then in the summer of uh, 2015, they started airing them and then it just blew up. It was crazy. It just went, um, just, it just became monster. Yeah. And off the back of that, we toured all over America, Canada, um, selling out all over the place. And uh, I started a show in Las Vegas. Yeah. Do you have a favorite moment being on that show? Yeah, um, yeah, it was really fun because um, it took it took them a while to get into it because I was so like, look, I'm not gonna, you know, I was like, I'm 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 never gonna come out of costume. So they would say to me, "Can you come to rehearsals today? And can you bring a change of clothes?" And I would say no. And they would say, "Well, can you just do it?" And I would say no. And they say, "Well, look, we just expect you to see you in costume tomorrow." And then I would turn up in my dragon outfit <laughs> with nothing underneath. <laughs> And they, and they were like, really? And I'm like, yeah, this is what we're doing, guys. And, and then they started seeing how funny it became. And um, so as soon as that happened, then uh, everyone, are, you know, who works on the show, and they've got a great creative team, everyone was sort of um, uh, like, you know, jostling to do really fun stuff. From the beginning, I didn't think I was winning because, um, 
you know, I just looked at it like here's millions of dollars of advertising. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I was always like, guys, you know, can I, what's the best way to get through to the next round? But, um, you know, be funny. And uh, so in the finals, we ended up shooting pitfalls out of a cannon. Yeah. Because um, people got so upset. I did this trick with four boxes where it, there were four boxes hanging from a ceiling. And I said inside one of the boxes is Mr. Piffles. The other three boxes contain the hopes and dreams of Mr. Piffles. In other words, they're empty. And then I uh, destroyed three of the boxes, opened up the last one, and Mr. Piffles was safe and sound. Hmm. So I did this, and we worked a lot on the, on the actual magic tricks, and the magic trick looked really good. And Heidi Klum stormed up to me after the show, and she said, why would you put Mr. Piffles in a box? And, I, and for the first time, I realized that, oh, people are taking this magic way too seriously. I said, Heidi, the dog's not in a box. Hey, I'm not going to trust the life of my chihuahua to how it went down a one in four shot. You know, it's just, like, <laughs> it's just a magic trick. So as soon as I realized that, um, you know, we had, and I was like, well, let's get to the finals and shoot a dog out of the cannon because I guarantee I'm not going to win uh, by doing that. And it'll be really funny too. Yeah. So, um, so we did that. And I'd always had this, you know, because I've been in Vegas for so long, I'd always, always had this vision uh in Vegas, you have like Terry Fader, who won America's Got Talent, you've got Matt Franco, and they have these big, big billboards, and they say, uh, you know, Terry Fader, the winner of America's Got Talent. Yeah. And I thought it'd be really funny to have a billboard that said, Piff the Magic Dragon, the loser of America's Got Talent. <laughs> so now if you, if you come to Vegas, then those billboards are everywhere. Um, so from the answer, I was like, you know, let's, let's uh, get all the way to the end and then go down in flames. <laughs> Was... So that was the that was the plan really and, and stuff like so that meant like i wasn't really you know obviously the trick had to be good but it was much more like what well, how you know what could i do while they're judging me because you know that's the, always the stupid bit with these shows is like yeah. you know you're up against some five-year-old who's like you know about to burst into tears if they lose um and and, and they're, sort of, they're sort of telling you what they think and now howard stern was on the show who i love so I, I was happy to listen to what Howard Stern was saying, and the same with Harry Mandel. But Mel B, I mean, you know, I love the Spice Girls, but I don't really care what Mel B thinks about comedy. Yeah. So she would give me her opinion, and I'd be like, I don't really care what you're saying, Mel, right now. So my solution to that was, you know, make a sandwich or eat a banana or <laughs> they uh, remember try, that. And, yeah. try and kiss Heidi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was sort of how I. That was my favorite stuff to do on that show. Was anytime I was really messing with them, then I was I was having a good time. Was the was the audition in Vegas, or did you have to go to California? The first audition was in Vegas, which was like in front of producers. Yeah. So that's that's like a non televised one, and then the the ad, the first proper audition was in uh, New York because it was when Stern was doing it still. So yeah, I had to fly. I, I flew to Vegas. I flew sorry, I flew to New York. I did this audition, and then I had to go to London, like. I was there for like two hours. I was in New York for two hours. So I had to go to London immediately to do another show. So I was like tired and jet lagged and you know, I had to get back on a flight. So, so when I was waiting to go on, Nick Cannon was backstage. It was when he still did it. He was backstage and he was like, so Piff, you must be really excited to be here. And I was like, well, not really. I just want to do this, go home. I'm hungry, I'm tired, and uh, I don't really know why I'm here. So I go on and I get like, you know, this, Great reaction to get a standing ovation from all the judges. People are going crazy. It kind of went. 
And I was like, well, not really, because I'm tired and I've got to go back to London. So him and I never really saw eye to eye. Um, I know, like, you guys have, you know, all the magicians have, like, this, you know, rule that you can't tell how you do magic tricks and everything. But, like, how do you come up with your... No, I don't really give a shit about that stuff. <laughs> how do you come up with your tricks? I mean, like, how do you... How do you decide what I mean, the main you want to do? The main reason I don't tell people how the magic trick works is because normally it's not that interesting. Yeah. You know, normally it's a, it's just a disappointment to find out. Yeah. And and the truth is, um, is that most magic tricks work because I put way more effort into something than anybody would ever believe. Yeah. So, you know, you're seeing something, you go, oh, maybe he's got a secret photocopier somewhere and he's like, uh, you know, got this incredible, like, high-tech thing. It's like, you know, sometimes that's not a million miles from the truth. It's just we've got the most ridiculous, uh, you know, method for the, for the, to make these tricks happen. And, uh, you know, you know, that, that's the thing you sort of want to just, um, just not really that, yeah. that, um, you don't want to spoil it for people. Yeah. Um, you ever had a trick that, like, backfired you on stage? Many times. Yeah. Many, many times. That's the nice thing about magic, though, is that uh, unlike comedy, where, you know, you, the joke just bombs, or unlike juggling, where, you know, if you miss a trick, you, you drop it and it's over. With magic, the audience doesn't always know if it's gone wrong. Yeah. So you can often, like, get yourself out of sticky situations, which I've done a lot. Um, but, yeah, I've had sometimes when... I mean, there was, I think there was one thing we did on America's Got Talent where they... Uh, uh, where, you know, they had a... Um, the bad camera angle. And then, and that's all people care about. They're like, ah, your whole trick's gone wrong. And it's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, that, that, that's one of the problems. That's one of the, the burdens of doing magic. Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever been heckled on stage? And how, oh yeah. And how did you, uh, I get heckled all the time and I get two types of heckle. One is the drunk heckle yeah. where they're just sort of, sh you know, they're just too drunk. They don't know where they are. They don't know what they're doing. A lot of the time, people want to take part, which is like the worst kind of heckle because it comes from a good place. You know, if somebody's being a, an idiot, then it's much easier just to, uh, you know, uh, shout, you know, shut them down, and and eventually they'll get kicked out. They keep heckling, yeah. but often people like they just they love the act so much they just want to join in, and uh, you know, it's very very difficult to be mean to a to an encouraging heckle. Yeah, you ever had like a drunk person come on stage or anything? Oh yeah. Oh, we've had many. I've had many drunk people come on stage. I've had people try and throw props at me. I, I've made people absolutely furious because I, I'll be, um, you know, I'll be insulting them or whatever, and they're too drunk and they don't know how to take it. Or, or you know, they'll do something stupid and then I'll, um, I'll sort of just ream them out for it. And uh, <laughs> so uh, we got all sorts. We had a, I had a woman last night. You know, she just stood up. She tried to go to the bathroom and she went the wrong way. And she went downstairs into our dressing room and um, everyone, you know, everyone saw this and she's literally standing behind the curtain, refusing to go back out because she doesn't want to be made fun of because she's gone the wrong way. <laughs> and I just like, you know, I'm just in front of the curtain, like hurling abuse at her. So she probably had a good point. But <laughs> what, uh, um, So you said you've been touring. Like, what are some of your favorite uh, area uh, places you've been to? Um, well, I mean, we, we tour out of Chicago, L.A., New York. Uh, Kentucky is one of my favorite. I was a place in uh, Lexington, Kentucky, which we have a great time in. Um, so, Florida, I mean, all over Florida. We really, we, it's 
because we because I bring my you know, I guess I go somewhere and it's I bring my own audience. I'm not really um, you know I spent first ten years of my of my career playing to people who didn't know who I was. Yeah. So now it's we're bringing I'm bringing my own fans there, and so wherever I go, we have a great time. You know, Canada they're a little bit more um, a little bit more reserved, but. Uh, uh, you know, this you, know, you just have to win them over in a slightly different way. Yeah. But um, yeah, we love touring all over America. Yeah. Now, uh, did you just finish filming your uh, hour special? Yeah, we've we've finished filming the live part, okay. and now it's being edited. Yeah, that's what I was doing yesterday. I was in the edit suite for like, oh. all day, um, and then we're gonna uh, we might put some like um, you know out and about stuff in Vegas into it as well. Yeah, where is this gonna be uh, released on? Oh, whoever buys it. Whoever buys That's it. That's the way it is now. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you so, know, you make it first and then sell it second. So you try to pitch it to like Netflix or Hulu or something like that, or Comedy Central? Yeah, somebody like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Whoever's, whoever's going to show it to the most people. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about your, uh, you have a podcast also called The Piff Pod. Yeah, I do, which is me talking to whoever is around, uh, you know, each week. It's just fun because, you know, we're always all over the place and um, there's all this, you know, there's always this crazy stuff happening on stage, backstage, wherever, and so it's all—it's just a fun, um, it's just a fun way to kind of like keep everyone up to date on that. And um, you know, for people who like like the show, they can sort of listen behind it. They can like listen behind the scenes. Yeah. You know? Do you uh, do you record the podcast even when you're touring too? Yeah, yeah. I just have a little, um, you know, just a little digital recorder, and we. And we, and we record it all over the place. Yeah. You know, if we're in Vegas, we'll record it in the dressing room, maybe. Um, if we're on the road, we'll just record it wherever, wherever we are. Yeah. Uh, lastly, uh, tell listeners where, um, how can they find you on social media? Uh, we're Dragon.com or Facebook is Dragon, Twitter is The Piff, and then Instagram is Dragon as well. And there's like a YouTube channel, Dragon. so... Basically, if you just Google Piffermanic Dragon, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to tell the listeners before we end this? I think we're good. All right. Uh, thanks for coming on. This was a blast. Uh, hope I get you back thanks, on. Thanks, buddy. Oh, yeah. Anytime. Yeah. All right. All right.